Well, it's good to see everyone again and to open the scriptures again in, in 1 Corinthians and several other places of, um, in the scripture tonight. <coughs> Those of you who may be just join, <coughs> joining for the first time, um, We've arrived toward the end of chapter 11 of the first letter of the Corinthians. And uh, Paul, Paul has come to a place where he's going to talk about the gatherings of the saints. And I want to take several weeks just talking a little bit about the Lord's people <laughs> gathered. And one of the things that a verse that's been in my heart a great deal uh, these last um, few days has been a verse from a psalm. And um, in fact, it comes at least twice. And it's Psalm 18. You might wonder what's this got to do with... um, church with the gatherings of God's people but it's it's this Psalm 18 and the verse that really has been quickened to me a lot not just now but often it says in verse 18 or Let's start at verse 16. This is Psalm 18, verse 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And it's the verse 19 where it says, He brought me out into a broad place. And you may ask, well, what's that got to do with uh, church, with the gatherings of God's people? Well, it's something that underlies all my thinking. Um, You know, one of the things of the enemy, as soon as he began to open his mouth as the serpent in the garden, The thing that he did, of course, was to narrow the vision, the sight of the woman. His words began to close her down, focus her on one tree. And you may have noticed I was studying it again earlier today a little. You know, I don't know why this is, but when God spoke to the to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 God said 
it's translated in all versions of the trees of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not but it's the word freely you may freely eat and then I don't know whether it's just the translators because I can't tell the difference in the Hebrew but then I'm not a Hebrew scholar um, when Eve talked to the wicked one to the serpent she, she just said we may not eat or we can eat of the trees she didn't say we can freely eat and I find that amazing really because already there was something happening with the atmosphere of the wicked one that he brought his spirit that he brought it's he it, with him came this shrinkage this it was focusing on one thing that seemed to promise great enlargement but in fact it brought shrinkage it it focused her in the wrong way and now i want to bring that over into the things of church um mm -hmm. of the lord's people uh of the seed you will be aware uh most of you though a lot of us are not aware enough of the incredible difference between the covenant that's known as the old covenant and the covenant that's known as the new covenant the covenant of which jesus is the mediator and the minister or as moses of course was the mediator of the old covenant and if i was to say to you and narrow the differences down to two words these two words are so important you know them well the old covenant was principally outward 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 worship outward singing outward sacrifices outward everything was outward outward feasts you know the feasts you can read about them in leviticus 23 an outward tabernacle an outward lampstand uh, it was made of gold it's true but everything in the old was essentially outward the land the promised land was an outward land it was a, a area at the eastern end of the mediterranean you know about it it had its parameters its boundaries and there it was uh, but the new covenant is inward inward it's there's an inward light there's an inward lamp that shines there's inward worship so that for instance the only places where you will find 
singing mentioned in the New Testament, in the epistles, uh, uh, in Ephesians and Colossians, you'll find singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And then, of course, the expectation of speaking to one another. So in the heart and out it flows from the heart, speaking to one another. And, you know, that's, that's just one little example of the, and you and I need to do much, much thinking about this. You see, you remember, of course, that in the Old Testament, this outward tabernacle that was built, the outward arrangements of the outer court and then entering into the holy place and then finally one allowed once a year into the holy of holies. Everything was from the outside in. So the praises, the worship, if you read the Psalms, uh, the ascending Psalms as the Psalms of Ascent, which begin um, around 120. Uh, they think they're the songs that the pilgrims used to sing as they made their way up to Jerusalem to uh, attend the feast. And, you know, think about these things. Whereas the new covenant, you know, it's from the inward flowing outward. And if I'm, you know, if I'm to sing, in other words, you know, he has brought me into a large place. He's brought the church into a large place through Christ. Christ, you know, we're not attempting to possess a land now. We're not interested in a bit of geography. Um, you know, Jesus specifically used the word possess. And he said, in your patience, possess your souls. Uh, the possibility of a human soul becoming so large, so uh, vast, so rich, you know, through, or if I switch, you know, my thinking, and it, sorry for talking like this, but these things, and I believe I shouldn't apologize for, you know, our Lord Jesus, you know, you remember he told the stories of the seed, and uh, the, the the four types of ground and uh, you know often I have rejoiced in the fact that ground is not fixed ground can be changed and I've said that before on some zoom or other and um, you know it, it's it's not fixed ground can be changed the plough can plough up, the, the stones can be removed, the roots of the weeds can be 
plowed out and removed. Hallelujah. Laborious business. It's true. The hard ground, you know, the wayside ground trodden down. And you must understand, it really, we didn't ought to call it the parable of the sower so much as the parable of the grounds. And Jesus says the grounds are the hearts of people. And, you know, the the ground of the heart is made to receive the seed. And you will appreciate the capacity of the woman's heart there in the garden as she received a seed into her heart. A word, words, words that came from a wicked spirit. And her heart became ground amenable to those words, that seed. And that seed was now in her generating its awful fruits. And that seed, of course, she mothered in to her husband. Adam received that seed into his heart and immediately the emerging of the fruits of that seed. Now, you know that, you know, this is not the state we have been left in. You know that the Lord Jesus came into the world to bring that breakthrough that Mark was praying about earlier, the great breaking through uh, of love, of the love of God into this state of affairs. Not that he hadn't spoken in the past and worked, but all of that was a background for the coming of the seed into the world, even the Lord Jesus Christ. The seed of God came into the world. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And that seed, oh, that wonderful seed, we beheld his glory. We saw the fruit. John says this, doesn't he, in his first letter. He says, we saw, we handled, we beheld. It's so wonderful. And you know this seed, Christ, in the in the flesh. Look at the fruits he bore, and uh, in in his mind, in his affections, in every part of his heart was given up to the power of love, the power of God, the power. And then the seed, you know, you remember the scripture in John 12, that unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. And there it is, it abides alone. The precious seed just staying there alone. And so our Lord Jesus, we know 
he fell into the ground and died. And uh, isn't it wonderful that that has happened? And that he might bear fruit. You, you know that in John's Gospel, chapter 12, when Jesus said that, now's the time, seeds got to fall into the ground and died. I don't know whether you noticed that he said that when a lot of Greeks, those of Greek background, were coming and saying, we want to see Jesus, we want to see him. And that's when Jesus said, yes, yes, this is not enough for Jews. This is, you know, it's for everyone. It's time. The seed must fall into the ground and die. And, you know, when you were born of God, so I'm now in the 12th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. So I get to this just commenting on these things, and I hope it's sort of eye-opening to some of us. Some of us know these things, uh, but they need to be stated categorically and straightly. You know, Paul says this, and I'm in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he says this. You, You know the verses very, very well. Verse 13 chapter 12 in one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit one baptism into one body And the native drink of that body is that that the Lord gives. We are made to drink into one spirit. And if I was to say to you, thinking of all I've mentioned about the seed, I know this, that many years ago when I was 22 or 23, The seed, Christ, was born in me. He he came into me in that baptism. And the seed came. And it is from the seed, Christ, that all ministry in the church, all preaching, There is only one minister, all good works that really matter, all healing, everything. There is only one minister in the church, and that's Christ. That's Christ. There's only one heart in the body. There's only one mind in the body. It's important that we grasp that. And this is an an immense place to think. You know, our Lord Jesus, when 
he gave his teaching to the disciples and other people about the the difficulties that were coming, the stones falling in the temple, the outward temple would collapse, Jerusalem would be finished with, and all the rest of it. And he he talked about, but uh, you are to take heart because they'll put you into prison. They'll do this with you and that with you. But you're not to be anxious about what you will say because it will be given you in that hour. Christ in them was going to be able to speak in them and through them and bear his testimony again through members of his body. I hope you're getting the picture. You know, the seed, the great seed is in you. you you've been baptised into his life. You've been baptised, you've been made to drink. And this is a large place. This is a large place. Now, these are the orderings of God. And if I go back in the Corinthian letter, now you can, with that sort of those remarks being made, you can understand a little bit what Paul is saying at the end of chapter four. So go back to the end of the fourth chapter. And it says here, Paul writes to them, now, um, uh, how does he put it? Let's read verse 17. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul only had one message, one methodology, one order. He, he hadn't cooked up some other scheme and Timothy would remind them. I don't think that thought of he will remind you is simply that Timothy would be sort of going through point A, B, C, D and E. This is what Paul said. Just Timothy's whole life would remind them of the ways. The ways that, of Paul, the ways of true ministers the ways of true Christian life. Everything about Timothy, he opened his mouth and it was the same spirit. Same but different because it was another vessel, another member of the body that the Lord was using. Now, verse 18. Some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? And you know, 
Paul understood that power is is everything. What is the power that is working? What is the origin of this power? He wasn't interested in listening to the words of people. He wanted to discern and hear a certain power coming through in the words so that underneath the words there was substance underneath the words there was this same spirit this same mind timothy had it he was a son my son uh, in my beloved son and faithful son in the lord that's how paul called him and uh, everything is steeped in the, the thought of unity, of oneness, of one baptism, one drink. We're made to drink into one spirit. Now this week, you will have heard voices. You will have heard voices on the media. You will have heard voices, perhaps personally, even in your family. And every voice came with a power, just like the serpent's voice came to the woman. And that those voices that you listened to, that you heard, they either came from the large place of the true seed, seeking to minister to your heart and to bring forth his fruit. You are his ground. You are the place in which he wants to root down. You are the place, your mind, your powers, and all of this is a background. I'm trying to paint a true background for the gifts of the Spirit. They're not things that come in. If you want to know one of the fundamental differences between the psychic and the truly spiritual, is that the psychic and the psychic parades in the church, that is a power of the soul. I'll picture for you like this, where the minister or the teacher or whoever he might be comes into the meeting like this with his antennae out to pick up information about this and that and the other and then bring it out. It's all coming. How often I've had to try and help people who come from a psychic background and have misinterpreted. Such people are always living in the grip of fear. They always must dominate. They must dominate with their minds, with their powers. They're insecure fundamentally. But that which comes from the seed rises up from the innermost parts, from the seed Christ within you and within me. And if I could do any good tonight, one of the things I would love to do is set people free into the large place of what we call the gifts of the Spirit the ministries of the spirit, the large place. You see, I come back, you know, 
have you ever thought uh, much about the power? When I come, I'm going to see not the words, but the power. What power is this person moving in? Is he moving in psychic power? Is he make, is he moving in power where he's displaying his Bible knowledge or this or that or the other? Or if I was to ask you and I throw these things out to you, what is the power that breaks the hardest heart? What is the power that melts? What is the power of God? What is the power? You say, well, it's Christ. Yes. But is Christ crucified? Yes. But why was Christ crucified? Why did Christ come? What is it that melts us, breaks us, changes us, transforms us? It, it, it requires immense power. And that's why you've got chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Because the great motivational power, the quickening power, the life-giving power is divine love rising from the seed, Jesus, in your heart and mind. Love expressed through tongues, interpretation of tongues, things that some of us watching tonight or listening tonight will be afraid of because people have had bad experiences. Well, occasionally I have had and seen bad things that have saddened me no end. But my general experience of the gift of tongues is that it has been enlarging a little portion of the large place where the seed uh, the King, Christ, the Righteous One, rises up and speaks. And uh, same thing with prophecies and uh, everything, and even healing. You know, I think I've told some of you, there's a couple that are on here tonight um, who live in, well, they just moved to Grimsby in um, uh, on Lake Ontario in Canada and I first met Fred um, in I think it was 1978 or thereabouts he met me at um, Pearson Airport in Ontario in uh, what's the name of the city oh goodness me Toronto and he met me there with a, a car that would hardly get my case in the trunk um, it was called a fire, something or other, firebird, I think. Um, uh, but anyway, he met me there and, uh, you know, the reason I got there, I only discovered many years later, because someone told me that uh, a man, some of you knew him, uh, who was in our church in Exeter, came into a Thursday night meeting very broken. 
He's a ministering brother. I won't mention his name. Some of you know it. But one of the things you may not have known, that he had been told that he had an incurable disease. And he came into the meeting very disturbed. And he told us this particular Thursday night. And I was his kind of co-elder, I suppose you'd call me, uh, the boy. And uh, I went across to him, I remember it so clearly, and I knelt down beside him and I put my arms round him. And I didn't pray a word and I wept over him. And that's all I did. And many years later, I discovered that he had gone to this church in Canada to preach. And he had told them, get this young brother to come and preach to you. That's how I got there. And then he told the story that I had this incurable disease. And when I told these people in my home church, this young brother came and knelt down and embraced me. And, and this man used this phrase, I was healed by love. I was healed by love. Now that's it. And one of the things you and I have got to ask God to do with all of us is, oh Lord, get hold of me. Really get hold of me. Many of you that aren't in this country, uh, you won't know of something that's called Glastonbury. It's about 50 miles from where we live. It's the site of the biggest, um, you know, concert um, venue and there's all sorts of things go up there. And occasionally I've just caught four or five minutes of it. And the thing that amazes me about these things is how these people have been got hold of by their gods. And they know not that there's a seed in them that has been communicated to them. And that they're giving themselves up to. So I'm back in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Because here I am in chapter 12 verse 1. Because he wants to talk to us about this spiritual life. About spiritual. You probably notice that the word gifts doesn't occur. It's, it's not there. It's in italics in my this particular Bible I happen to be using tonight. Now concerning spiritual brethren, if we just read it like this, now concerning spiritual, miss out the word gifts, because it's not there, Concern, concerning the spiritual, spiritual life, it is quite wrong for me to try and talk to you about spiritual gifts without trying to set the whole thing against the background of spiritual life. You understand? Spiritual life, the whole of my life. What is better? Having uh, a prayerful life 
or having a life of prayer? Have you thought about that one? A prayerful life is much better than having a section of your life where you pray. A prayerful life. To have a spiritual life. You know the great man, what's his name, uh, in the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon. A man who would write a few notes on a on the back of a an envelope or something for what he was going to speak on. Then it was well recorded that as as he was carried away in the ministry, suddenly he may have a word of wisdom, a specific prophetic word for someone would just flow out as he was preaching. He was in the words of verse 2. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. You know that you were Gentiles carried away. Strange, maybe you've wondered about this. You know, you were carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And I think of these people at Glastonbury just carried away by their dumb idols who happened to be able to sing and play. Carried away. And this is part of the problem in the church. You see, we get narrowed down. Our hearts are not large enough. We haven't entered into the largeness. We're not ready to be carried away in the love of God and let that love move us. What's the use of going on the mission field if love doesn't carry you? What's the use of trying to be a pastor or a leader? What's the use of trying to have a house meeting if the care for men and women doesn't rise in you from the living seed who dwells in you? Carried away even as you were led. Isn't it strange how Paul starts like this? I I understand him. I know what he's talking about. And they would have understood what he was talking about, you know, because some of those prophetesses and prophets that they had followed in their earlier days, in their pagan days, you know, they would have watched these people. Oh, this, and as, as soon as I begin to talk like this, I'm back in a place called Tirawala in Kerala, India. And uh, I'm thinking of a conference there. And, you know, they're playing the music at the beginning of this conference. And I was 10 or 15 rows back due to speak, you know, when they invited me. And I watched this young boy. They have some unusual percussion instruments. And I remember so clearly uh, he had this instrument that was a bit of metal bent round with tiny little symbols that he would close like this to the rhythm and everything was getting frenetic. And I watched that boy get carried away. And uh, I had to 
Well, I got involved because the brothers, you know, he went down on his back, he was rolling around, and I said to the brothers, this is not God, brethren, this is devils. This is devils. He's got carried away the wrong way. It's it's not the love of God, it's just the sound, the music, the rhythm, you know. And the Lord had to, to minister to him and did. But, you know, one of the things that we must say to the Lord, oh, bring me into your large place. <laughs> I want to be carried away by your spirit. This sort of language might not like, you may not like it, because our whole system tends to promote the mastery of the mind. But in the things of spiritual life, it is being mastered by love. It's being being mastered by the Spirit, by being baptized in that one Spirit and drinking in to that one Spirit. And you can discern immediately whether or not that which is coming forth in you, through you, from you. You can discern it from verse 3, chapter 12. I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus anathema. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. The purpose of every gift of the Spirit is to express Jesus' Lordship and cause those who partake of those things and who receive their whole heart cries, Jesus Lord, it's an ejaculation, actually. Not Jesus is Lord, but Jesus, Lord. Something rather lovely happened uh, last Saturday night, eight days ago, when I was talking in that meeting uh, about Satan. Richard um, gave the title to the message, Satan's dark plan, which I thought was very good. Um, Satan's, and and I wasn't happy talking so much about the beasts and Babylon and the dragon and all that. And uh, there was a point where I, I I found myself, and I don't remember how it came, but a great cry arose up about, and the cry was, hallelujah, 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 the victory of Christ, the life of Christ. And I noticed, you see, how spontaneously that rose, the great hallelujah. I noticed that there were three hallelujahs. And I noticed on the screen different ones with their hands up in the air, Richard included. And uh, 
I, I think Fred and Neil were, they had their hands up in the air because it's the work of the Spirit. No one can say that Jesus, Lord, except by the Spirit. And this is the great measure. Not uh, the music is Lord, not the teaching is Lord. You know, uh, I think I was saying to the earlier meeting today, you know, when I go down in this 12th chapter, I was talking from this chapter, but, you know, it says here, verse 27 of chapter 12, now you are the body of Christ. You know, I could stop on that, just reading that thrills me. You're the body of Christ. You know, I look around here and Mark and Jana, uh, you know, and Annie on my thing and Mervyn and Yvonne over there and John and Val over there and, you know, Daniel in Calgary and so on. You're the body of Christ. The seed is in you. The light, the lamp shines in the temple of your heart. He wants you to see the largeness of this, you know, and perhaps we'll talk more about that. But you're the body of Christ and members in particular, individually. They're tremendous. You're uh, the body of Christ. You can understand how staying joined, being intimate, in fellowship, day by day, moment by moment, listening attentively, enjoying his comforting presence. This is the reality. Your members individually invigorated, like my hands are right now invigorated by the blood that's going through the whole body coming from the head and the heart and you must remember that in your body the heart is in the body and it's good to remember that this is part of the bestowal of our head the Lord Jesus he wants to put the heart which is love in the body I don't know. This, by the way, is a revelation that Paul had, wasn't it? The Lord revealed the church as the body to Paul. John didn't see it, though he would have heard about it and thrilled about it. And Peter didn't write about it because the Lord showed it to Paul. But Peter would have thrilled about it and James would have thrilled about it. But we're members individually. Ah, I can touch, Christ can touch people. Perhaps that's what happened that Thursday night in Exeter those many years ago when arms went round that older brother and tears were wept and he said I was healed by love. It was the body of Christ touching him. It was the love of Christ moving in him and doing a miracle of chasing whatever cancer it was out of the body.
miracle it was miracle and i'm not saying that happens every time but i'm saying every time love <laughs> love i'm not saying that love will clear every cancer i'm not saying that but i'm telling you that the whole motivation paul says in verse 28 and god has appointed these in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles and gifts of healings helps administrations varieties of tongues and it is a hotchpotch of a list the only thing that is sort of orderly about it you could say is first second third <laughs> you know everything is a kind of a hotchpotch and if we were to go into romans 12 which we will do but not tonight and if we were to go into ephesians but when when you when you read this and you read the third one teacher what is your immediate narrowing down because we've all got it myself included it's narrowed down to a bible teacher teaching the bible teaching habakkuk you know teaching about sanctification teaching bible and oh i'm not saying but but you know you know it's not right when paul says bible uh, teacher he's not thinking a bible teacher paul didn't even have a bible you know primarily primarily of course paul had the old testament scriptures what we call them you and i have got bibles that you and i should should just plunge into the scripture we should know it but paul's primary task on earth was to teach people god that's his primary purpose to teach the heart of god the ways of god by life and lip and always as you will have already found out when these things are mentioned words that are similar to life and lip it's always life that goes before lip not lip and life you know but isn't it wonderful that 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 this power of christ this seed is in us now uh, you you know about the power that's in seeds the resurrection life that's in a seed put it in the ground that's amenable and it'll burst out i'm sitting here and uh, i i'm looking across 
here on that one of our window sills here. And there's this dry and old bit of ground there in a kind of glass thing that I bought in a second-hand shop. And I put three cactuses in it, cacti, I suppose you call them. And, you know, they won't stop growing. Don't, you know, I seem to hardly put any water on the things. And they won't stop growing. The life's in them. You know, and many of you are gardeners. I wonder if our sister from Canada, who has the most glorious garden, wonder if she's on tonight. But, um, you know, just put a seed in. It'll grow. And the Holy Spirit brought Christ into you. And Christ's the great minister. Christ is the great teacher. Christ, it's all Christ. And uh, you say, well, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. No, no, not, not in a way he didn't speak in tongues. He did speak in Hebrew on the cross, didn't he? But, um, oh, it's so wonderful. I hope what I'm saying to you is, is somehow getting home a little bit to your heart. So I go back to the, you know, the end of chapter 11, if you just turn back there. And just the last phrase where the rest I will set in order when I come. You know, God is a God of order. And, you know, he makes his servants, God, uh, uh, men of order, women of order. And, you know, there's an order to these gifts. There's an order to this life. There's a power, you know, and if I was to say this, that the gifts of the Spirit When properly used, the person hardly knows they're using them. They're just ways in which the living Christ is expressing himself in concrete ways. The gifts of healings. You know, don't narrow that down to the physical alone. I mean, there are hearts even that are here tonight on this meeting. And you know, wounded hearts. Hearts get wounded. And uh, you know where to covet the best gifts. That's how Paul puts it, doesn't he? But, But, you know... Oh, to have a word that heals hearts. Oh, that Christ. You know, I don't know whether I'm putting this over as well as I should or could. Because these things, you know, I delight. There's, there's, a, you know, in the Old Testament, 
there were ministers in the sanctuary. Do you remember that? Do you remember in the sanctuary, in the in the holy place, in the great big uh, temple, there were ministers. They were called priests. Then there was a chief, a, a great priest, who was over them all. And these ministers in the sanctuary went about their duties in order. And if I was to say to you, one of your duties that you're under orders for is that you are to covet these gifts. You are to ask God to liberate you from the smallnesses that the wicked one shut Eve up into and to come into this larger place where even you say, but I'm nothing. Well, I guess that's just about the best qualification. You know that the Lord can grant to you words in season. He can grant to you gifts of love. Let me put this to you. Um, by the way, because down there in that list at the end of chapter 12, you've got this business about um, uh, workers of miracles and you've got this about gifts of healings, miracles, gifts, helps, helps. I don't know whether you ever thought about this. Who was the first master, martyr? Of the church. You all know his name. Stephen. Um, who who was the next martyr um, in the church that we know of? Well, James, the brother of John, was beheaded, wasn't he? That's chapter 12 of Acts. And then Jesus mentions someone in the church at Smyrna, wasn't it? Was it Smyrna? Where Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred. But none of them were raised from the dead. You know, none of them were raised from the dead. <laughs> Who did the Lord Jesus, through Peter, raise from the dead in the book of Acts? Are you thinking, your mind's thinking, I can see some of you and uh, thinking, a little lady, wasn't it? Do you remember her name? Tabitha. Tabitha. And uh, God, the Lord raised her from the dead. Isn't that beautiful? And you think to yourself, well, I wonder why. I mean, Peter, uh, Stephen was an incredible preacher and he did this and that and the other, and probably Antipas did, and James was an apostle, and he got slain. But the one that God moved and raised from the dead was a lady who used to make things, wasn't she? Do you remember the story? you remember? She was a lady of good works, a help in the church <laughs> and uh, little things like that make me smile 
And I think, yes, Lord, I think I understand just your delight in doing the extraordinary, not what we would do. <laughs> and, you know, it, here, here it is, you see. What, what moved that little lady, Tabitha? Perhaps she was a big lady, I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> you know, what moved her to make those articles? They showed them to Peter. Look what she made. Look what she made. <laughs> And uh, love moved her. She was uh, a member of the body with the seed of Christ in her that moved her to do good works. Good works. She was a gift in the church, obviously. She was a gift. They loved her. See, we got to get carried away to these things, haven't we? You know, we were led by those dumb idols, those spirits led us to this and that, you know, and uh, now we're led away by Christ within us to Christ. Anyway, verse four, and uh, I'll quit in a minute. I've been going for an hour, but... Um, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The same spirit. <laughs> there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. You know, let's, let's rejoice in this word same. Same. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Yes, wonderful. Do you notice the Trinity there? Of course, you must have noticed. You noticed how the Spirit is mentioned first. And then the Lord, that's Jesus, is mentioned in the middle, in the center of the three. And then the same God who energizes all in all. You know, I do rejoice in, in the, the Trinitarian, the way that we are gathered up into the Trinity. <laughs> You understand this relational life, this communion, you know, and in that communion, there's a, a large, broad place full of gifts. Maybe the Lord will choose to use me more in another gift that I haven't been very familiar with. I don't know. I'm ready. Hope you are. Love moves you, you know, whether you're older or younger. You know, many of us have been subject to this wicked one, haven't we? And he's just narrowed us down from the large place. I think of, I think of churches, because if I may make a comment at all, uh, or two about prophecy, isn't Prophecy, because Paul in the 14th chapter is going to focus a bit 
on prophecy. Pursue love. This is verse one. Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts. Really desire them. Do you desire them? Do I desire them? I, I desire to be a better minister. I, I desire to be able to, oh, that, that seed Christ in me, that minister of the sanctuary who lives in me, who ministers in the sanctuary of my heart. And I begin to discover his ways in my own heart, his dealings with me. I discover his, the sword of his spirit that deals with my life and, uh, and, Sunders, you know, remember the Old Testament ministers of the sanctuary as they took the sacrifice and slew it and opened up its bowels and, you know, entered in there with their knife and took certain parts out never to use them again. Other parts they took out to wash and and reorder it all wonderfully. We have a minister of the sanctuary. First, he ministers in the sanctuary of your heart, sister. Sister who thinks you're of no account. Sister who thinks you're just, uh, well, I'm his husband. You know, he's the main man. I have a wife who is an individual gift in her own right, quite apart from me. She's not an also ran in the race. Not at all. Making up the numbers. No one is. No one is. Sister, don't think of yourself like this, you see. It may be that the Lord is wanting to, he's wanting you to desire spirituals. You know that this seed in you, Christ, will rise up and show you ways of love and speak through you, maybe, and pray through you so that you will unlock someone else how often i in a meeting i remember times where i've gone to a conference and i haven't had a clue what to preach on six or seven meetings not a clue and i've sat in that first meeting and i've listened and some sister has prayed her heart out and she's used a phrase or a sentence and it's just unlocked me and I knew what to preach on the whole conference. And she unlocked it. You see, this is the life of the body, isn't it? Where one member is giving to another and life is flowing. This is what real church should be in the last days. <laughs> You know, not narrowed down to the 50 minutes of the music and then a prayer and then the preacher and then finish and that's it. Or, you know, if you're in a certain type of church where it's the minister does all, 
you know, there are things, a large place for us to enter into. And I'm thinking, and if I may say, I'm thinking of brothers and sisters in in churches in our area here. I won't mention names, but at least four just flashed through my mind. And once you knew this, you tasted this, something of this large place. And then gradually familiarity has bred contempt. And hearts have gone back into, and the, you know, into their safe zone. And they haven't been praying, oh, Lord, get hold of me. I'm 65 years old now. They haven't been praying, get hold of me in my 65th year. I wrote to someone this week, you know, his daughter wrote to me and said, "He's Urek is 65. Will you write to him? And I didn't know he was 65, and I wrote to him, Oh, brother, let God get hold of you as never before. He's a musician by background, a professional musician who went deaf. So, dear brother, my brother, you can do your best work now. You can do your best work. Let God, let Christ the seed rise up in you. And that's what I wrote to him all about that. And it's true, it's true. Go out there and love. Go out there and care. Go out there and give yourself to the young people that the Lord is bringing across your path. You know, it's wonderful. Desire spiritual gifts. (laughs) Wonderful. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, it's uh, I think I'm going to stop because if I get off to prophecy and all the rest of it, I'll be another half an hour. So I'll stop on this. But the wonder of these things, I hope that you are as thrilled as I am. And I know it seems a million miles away from some of you. You know, you some have scarcely tasted it. But I do want you to know it begins with you. You know, you mustn't let anybody close you down. You mustn't let anything close you down. You mustn't, you know, give to me the hope no disappointments tire. Give me the hope no disappointments tire. Isn't that tremendous? You know, that's a Wesley hymn, if I remember rightly. But, oh, brothers and sisters, may the church, may the Lord have mercy on us. May the Lord... lead us to see the living Christ in our hearts. I know him as a living seed that bursts up within. You know, refreshing and renewing. And uh, he's the minister in the sanctuary. 
That's why I can encourage you, you're safe in the hands of this minister. <laughs> and the churches can be safe in the hands of this minister. I think we had a little bit of success a couple of times in our lives where we were kind of like located in one place for three or four years. And we tasted some of these things most wonderfully. And I think we had a little bit of success that those 100, 150, 200 people that gathered were aware that Christ was the minister in the midst. And to visitors coming in, they were disconcerted. Where's the leader? Where's the pastor? Where's the boss? <laughs> oh, and they were disconcerted. Visitors. I can remember my wife, Hazel, sometimes telling me of conversations because she always makes a beeline for the visitors to talk to the visitors. And, you know, she's a naughty girl sometimes. You know, she would say, what did you think of the preacher? <laughs> and the person said, well, I wasn't very impressed, really. I didn't like this, listening to him. <laughs> anyway, who are you? Oh, I'm his wife. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's typical Hazel. But <laughs> uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't it good to smile? Well, amen. Mark, I'm going to hand back because I'll reminisce. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bernard. And uh, I'm sure a lot of us resonate. We don't want to be narrowed down, do we? We want to, we want to live in that large place yeah. and know Christ within. And, yes. you know, these are wonderful things and challenging things. And, and uh, really it calls for us to respond and to say, yes, Lord, I, I want to pursue love. I want to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts that I might be enlarged. I might, you might do an enlarging work in, in me and in us. Amen. So why don't um, a couple just lead us in prayer, yes. lead us in response. Uh, just unmute yourself and, and, uh, and lead us. That would be wonderful. Yes. And, uh, yes. Praise the Lord. I think you've got a, a right word there, Mark. Enlarge me. Um, for us to pray that, oh, enlarge us, enlarge our hearts. I'm sure that's the word of the Lord, Mark. Mm. Mm. Mm.